Greetings and welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, or more accurately, an episode of The Crow's Nest. <laughs> I am, yeah, caw caw, mother flabber. <laughs> I am uh, your host, uh, your, it, well, well, not your main host. There's no real main host. This is not you, a normal. Use a host. I's a host, use a host. Uh, my name is Parasite Steve, aka Steve Ann Sampson, and with me is my buddy. 8-Bit Alchemy. How's it going, Yo. 8-Bit? Oh, it's going so good, Parasite Spin. Oh, how, it's going. how are your bits doing? All my bits are good. All eight of them. I oh, counted I them this morning. I had eight eight bits this morning, eight eight bits right now. Work did not steal any bits from me. Oh, so I am I'm raring to go. Oh, man, it is uh, almost 8 p.m. and all is well. All is well. All is well in uh, in the land of retro, um, with the with the obvious ex- exception uh, being that we missed our episode last week. So for you guys who are kind of wondering what the heck happened, and don't follow us on our Facebook group, little shout out to our our brother in tentacles, Nintendo, who's having a little bit of uh, just 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 some some issues right now. He's got to take a little. Little little breather, a little step little, back. Little mental mental health siesta. Yeah, you know, you gotta siesta, you gotta take care is, of uh, number one. About. You uh, know, and so he's gonna step away for a little bit. And for uh, those of you wondering, oh, you know, is this another boss rush mode scenario? It's a little bit different. Actually, it's completely different. And uh, Nintendo absolutely wants to come back as soon as he can. And so what we've done uh, internally is sort of uh, decided that we're not going to do any more mainline episodes right. until our until our brother in tentacles is back, uh, raring to go again. But 8-Bit and I are going to endeavor to do uh, some more bonus episodes so that there isn't just a, 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 a full... Um, a full break, you know, we're not going to go on hiatus completely, but yeah. uh, we're going to do some crow's nest. We're going to do, you know, possibly a break in there. Who yeah, knows? Exactly. And, keep, uh, you know, keep the content coming and, you coming. know, just do some other stuff, but still, you know, set aside those mainline episodes for when Nintendo is feeling himself again and no, no rush on that, That's sir. Right. We want, uh, we want to have him take care of himself with no pressure uh, to rush back before he's ready. So, Absolutely. you know, and we're just, just, you know, yeah, kind of bobbing and weaving, you know, weaving and bobbing, weaving and bobbing. And when we do eventually come back with our mainline episodes, our next one will be the one we mentioned last time, which is our Nintendo hard episode, which will be, uh, I think we mentioned it last time. I believe um, we, we, we mentioned it in the, uh, episode that may have come out yet i don't oh, oh, know that's that's funny so we recorded right. a supplemental episode to the episode that we didn't get to record <laughs> right so in the in the episode right. that we have recorded we referenced the episode we haven't recorded yet. but that's not out yet so it's not out yet all this so don't worry nonsense. about it it doesn't uh, matter it's just crazy but crazy nonsense yeah we're gonna we're gonna be back <laughs> in full force whenever nintendo's ready with an episode yes. on super hard nintendo games hosted by but yeah. alchemy whoop whoop so that'll be fun. We're looking forward to that. And we did do a really fun uh, supplemental episode with Nintendo uh, to that, which will air later whenever that is. But tonight, uh, as you know, because you clicked on this episode and you're listening to it now, tonight we're going to talk about the 1988 film and subsequent video game series for the Ron Howard movie, Willow. Willow. Th- yeah, this this is a topic I've I've really wanted to get into, and I wasn't sure if we were going to get to it or not because I don't know. It it just it just feels like I'm not sure if we're all fans, but Eight Bit and I are fans, and uh, randomly out of nowhere, I just decided to play the NES game. 
And so I think the, the bulk of this discussion, what we're raring to talk about is the fact that first I went through it and then I was like, I was like, you guys, you guys, this game is, is so much better than I remember. And 8-Bit, you I was like, it too. I was like, you know, you're talking this game up and I have always wanted to play it myself. Yeah. So God damn it, I'm going to do it too. And so just yeah. kind of, you know, fo- pretty, followed suit. Pretty freaking fun. Had an awesome time. But we will get to the Nintendo game uh, in a little bit. Uh, first, just want to drop some nodge on the uh, the movie itself. Um, fantastic film. What a great uh, movie. God uh, damn. We both just rewatched it after beating the game as well. Yes. Just this week. Yep. Which felt right. You know, yeah, just kind of brought pretty, the I whole love, thing together. I just love when you can go on a kick, a multimedia kick. Uh huh. If it's, you know, a TV show and a movie or a video game and a movie or all three or whatever. Right. So fun. Like we did with Dark Crystal mm-hmm. um, last year. I mean, that was really, I didn't get to play the video game. Uh, I did didn't either. I did not. Fun. Yeah. I, I heard, I heard, you know, mixed things, but people who are fans seem to have a fun time with it, yeah. but I'd never got to play it. But this, this is just awesome. And a lot of people know who remember this movie and are paying attention to Disney plus and the fact that they're doing a lot of really, uh, you know, interesting shows. They just did WandaVision and Falcon and the winter soldier to rave reviews. And now there's all these other MCU plan things and all this stuff. And, uh, also, we have Cobra Kai kicking ass, taking names over on oh, Netflix, man. you know, yep. uh, YouTube before that. And, uh, you know, season four is coming out with Cobra Kai. The world is freaking excited. I'm dying for it. They just released the trailer today. Actually, the day we're recording this. Oh, my God. They, we got to see a, a first glimpse of uh, Terry Silver, the villain uh, played by Thomas Ian Griffith from Karate Kid Part Three. Pretty man, I'm pretty sick. excited. I am behind on karate on uh, on Cobra Kai. I never got to watch season three, oh, and yeah. it's killing me. Yeah. But you know, it, it, a lot of things change when you start watching shows yeah. with another person, and you you realize you're like, well, I can't just start watching season three. Oh yeah. So you know, it it, it makes it makes things take a little longer, but yep. you know, I'll it's, I'll make sure I get to it. You know, the 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 last scene, the scene that ends season three. I'm not going to describe it, but. I, I watched it again today because it was tacked on to the end of a tra- of the trailer that I happened to post to the group. I didn't know that at the time, but it it's just like tacked on to the end. And oh my God, I, the chills that I got seeing it again, even, <laughs> I mean, it is just a perfect, perfect scene. It's the end of season three. So yeah, you got to get there, but oh man, I can't wait for the next one. But so anyway, you know, we're getting a Willow series sequel series on disney plus yes yeah which is wicked fucking cool and and warwick davis is signed on he's gonna be willow and nobody else has really said like nobody's really sure about you know i guess the big one's val kilmer val kilmer does have throat cancer um which is rough so he's he's just probably not gonna make much of an appearance or if he does it'll be like an episode is my guess just, just a kind of a nod to him uh, that he's he's there, he's alive, or maybe we can just say that he's dead at this point and and whatever. But anyway, back. I, I'm I'm so excited about the show, and so back to the yeah. movie. So I'll start things off by saying when I first saw this movie, uh, so it came out in 1988. So I was I was nine years old when this came out. Wow! And I saw it at the theater. And it was one of those movies I saw at the theater that I could not stop thinking about. <laughs> that happened a couple of other times. 
there was there were like a handful of movies that I saw as a kid that I was like, my entire world was now gone. I didn't care about anything else. All I wanted to do was think about the movie. I wanted to see it again, but we didn't really see movies twice in the theater when I was a kid. So I had to just wait. But um, uh, it happened with Never Ending Story, which I was okay. very, very okay. Young. It actually funny. The second one, you're going to laugh. Uh, who framed Roger Rabbit? Oh, you know what, though? I totally get that. I, that, I, I, I was definitely obsessed with that. movie. I just I remember coming home from the theater for Who Framed Roger Rabbit and actively thinking that was the greatest movie I've ever seen in my life. I remember thinking. Yeah. That. Yeah. Um, I mean, not for nothing. It, that that's a that is an incredibly great movie and i i definitely had an experience like that where i got to see it you know i i just had it on vhs growing yeah. up but that movie totally totally was one that stuck with me like that but uh yeah, yeah. but willow i mean absolutely the willow you know, totally were, did it there were various scenes in willow that that really stuck with me and obviously you know well maybe not obviously but in the 80s a lot of stuff that was made for kids is it like by our standards, like pretty dark. Um, yeah, compared know, I mean, to what's out there now. Yeah, yeah. like some of this, like the you know we we joke about like the Kinder Terror, the Kinder Trauma, like the things mm-hmm. that we watched as kids, and we go back to them now. It's like holy shit! Like for instance, Return to Oz, which yep. starred uh, Gene Marsh, who is Bav Morda. Oh my god! She was, was she's, she's the headhunter zombie in Return to Oz. Return to Oz is a famous. Oh, example God, I love of that movie way too dark for kids so fucking like, dark gives every kid nightmares and i love that movie to death so mm-hmm. i think the dark fantasy sort of you know i mean there's even stuff in dark crystal i mean the scene Labyrinth. of dark crystal when the podling gets drained oh it's really me. really problematic it's like yeah. all i could think about <laughs> that that's so gross it's yeah. so like yeah really it's rough but in this movie there are some scenes that really really push the envelope um, for horror, which uh, mainly I think the, the the everybody getting turned into pigs. I mean, that definitely, I wouldn't say it scarred mm-hmm. me, but wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was That's nuts. pretty intense. That was nuts. And there's it's such a painful transformation. And she does right. it to her daughter at the end. And like, uh, and then there's the, when the troll turns into the, the two-headed monster, I, I swear to God, like, it's so disgusting. So gross. I forgot how gross that was. So the gross. way that they go through that, like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. And then, and then it does the full, like, you know, you know, the Jurassic Park, like, you know, did it later, but it's like the eats a guy, picks him up. And then it's funny. You never see the two heads fighting over the guy and pulling it apart, but it's insinuated that that absolutely happens, but the, the at least the version I just watched on Amazon, it cut away, and my brain remembers on Amazon. It, it you didn't it. watch it on Disney Plus. Oh, I'm sorry, Disney Plus. Yeah, okay. I watched it on Disney. Plus. Okay, all right, and and it cuts it away. So I was thinking, like, am I remembering it wrong that they actually showed the two heads fighting over the guy and it pulled the guy up in two pieces, or is that just insinuated? And it's always been insinuated. I I'm not positive. I don't, I don't I, know. I need to get the Blu-ray. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, there's like, there's some stuff in there that's like, wow, you know, that's, that's unexpected. Actually, all the transformations in this are incredibly like yeah. painful and jarring. And yeah, and there's a lot of transforming in this movie. Like that's like the main magic we see. Mm-hmm. Um, it, which is not, you know, an easy thing for them to animate and do the effects for, but the effects look so good. So good. So and good. There, yeah. And there isn't one 
type of effect in this movie. It's like every type of effect. You know, there's there's almost every type of effect that existed at that time is in this movie. Um, actually, uh, talking about the the two headed monster, kind of funny. Uh, until today, I actually never knew what it was called. Do you know what it's called? Uh, no. That the troll turns into. I just never knew this. Apparently, it's everywhere, but it's called the Ebersisk. And oh, it's okay. It's, it's legitimately a joke on Siskel and Ebert. No way. Yes, they combined <laughs> Siskel and Ebert, and they called the monster the Ebersisk, and Ebersisk. it's this two-headed hideous monster, like. <laughs> absolutely that's that's insane further uh (laughs) general kale who i i mean let's be real he's the boba fett right he's awesome he's so cool i mean he's the he's visually amazing big skull face knight so cool he's such a badass uh i love how they decided to give him like a prosthetic caveman brow too i know yeah he's a he's a very homely dude like if you look at the actor he just looks nothing like this i think they might have put him under a a buttload of makeup yeah, they might have even given him, a, given him a false nose or something. I mean, the actor legitimately looks nothing like him. Right. Um, but anyway, yeah. So he, he General Kale is cool, but he's named after this uh, another critic, Pauline. I think it was Pauline Kale. And she had written a, a, like a, a bad review of Star Wars. So obviously, George, George <laughs> Lucas wrote this and wow. produced this and stuff. That is cutthroat. He produced it. It's based on a story that he'd been working on since 72 he didn't actually Whoa. write the screenplay. I did not yeah. know that. Yeah. So, so it all goes back. It all goes back to like around 72. So before he did star Wars, obviously. Um, and it's like, he wanted the initial like kernel of an idea was he wanted to film uh, like Tol- Tolkien stuff. He wanted to film uh, like the Hobbit or Lord mm-hmm. of the Rings. It wasn't clear from what I read mm-hmm. if it was one or the other, but he wanted to film a Tolkien thing and he couldn't get the rights. And this was really early in his career. Um, I right, think shooting it, for the stars here. You yeah, know. right. Uh, but but you know, but nobody had really done it. So um, yeah, you know, I don't think even I don't even know if the animated versions were out at that point by seventy two. I'm not pretty even early. Sure those came out the Rankin Bass and the Bakshi. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, he wanted to do like a Tolkien thing, and then he couldn't. So he's like, all right, you know, what, it's fine. I'm just gonna develop my own thing, and he was going to call it for years. The working title in his head was Munchkins. <laughs> munchkins mm, that yeah. really just sounds so so epic so don't so just so by the dozen um so anyway he um he just kind of let it simmer for a really long time and some of the ideas that he used ended up being rolled over into star wars and he ended up doing that first and then even after he did all all three star wars movies he still felt like the technology wasn't quite there for what he wanted to do with Willow because he really wanted this Tolkien-esque thing. And I feel like everything was already there at that point by Return of the Jedi with the Rancor and by all the stuff that they had done, they had done everything. Stop motion, puppets, miniatures, the same thing. Like there's every type of effect in Star Wars, all three Star Wars. But uh, in this one, you know, I don't know. He, he, he still waited till 1988, five more years. And uh, well, I mean, obviously the production was was longer than than that. But sure, uh, sure. Shorter than that, um, because, you know, it must have started. I don't know when it entered production, but usually no, right. it would have well, seemed like five years before years. it came out. Probably probably more like two or three years. But, you know, I'm not sure. But yeah, so he so it released in 88. But 
Yeah, he he'd been like really wanting to do this for the longest time. And he worked with Ron Howard on American Graffiti. Ron Howard was just an actor in that. And uh, so they kind of had this, uh, you know, great relationship. Uh, it was supposedly really seamless. They worked really well together. Both have said and uh, and they, you know, they they made this this awesome movie that I think is like easily one of my favorite movies. And it's funny because I always forget how much I love this. Like, mm-hmm. I don't forget how much I love, like, you know, Army Darkness and Clue and Princess Bride and Spaceballs and History of the World. And like, there's, I have my movies that movies I Movies that are just top, like, you know, movies. ingrained in your top 10. Yeah, my top, for some top, reason... top favorite, most beloved movies. Like, yeah. I, you know, yes, Star Wars. Yes, Lord of the Rings. Uh, also, uh, Lost Skeleton of Cadavera, a little shout out. Um, you know, and, uh, and it's like, it's like, I always discount. I never think of Willow. I'm like, my yeah. God. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, right. This, this movie's top to bottom is fantastic. easily like, this is, this is a perfect, perfect movie. Yeah. And it, it's a perfect movie for what it's trying to be. But even in the genre of high fantasy, it stands out because high fantasy has one specific element that it, like almost all of them do to you know different degrees of success which is to take themselves very seriously yep now lord of the rings takes itself very seriously to a high degree of success right sure but there's a ton of bad super serious like fantasy right especially when fantasy is bad and takes itself seriously like if it's bad but it's goofy you're like oh okay right i like it this but somehow they're like, no, we're going to make this funny, but I don't know. I think there are so many things about Willow that is just, it's just lightning in a bottle. I don't know why the things that work work. Um, I mean, Val Kilmer as Mad Mardigan, lightning in a bottle. You could yeah. have hired a hundred other actors and given them the same lines and it would be a, it would be a hundred different characters uh, yeah. or maybe three different characters. You'd never get this Mad Mardigan ever. It's, it's like his, it's, easily my my opinion his best role i know tombstone is is very high up there too but i mean mad Mardigan is singular those are my two those are he's he's so incredibly great and not an actor who often gets to be a goofball like that level of like a lovable you know handsome doofus and you know like semi semi capable real genius did come out first so real genius was very much that so I've never seen Real Genius. Real Genius. Oh, Real Genius is the other amazing Val Kilmer role. I love a ton of Val Kilmer performances and movies and stuff, but I think those are the three best performances for him. Gotcha. I would tack on Real Genius as a third, not not better than the other two. I would say Doc Holliday, then Mad Mardigan, then uh, his character from Real Genius. But yeah, I mean, I mean, he he is a very good uh, a character actor, somebody who makes up very specific characters. Mm-hmm. And doesn't repeat himself, you know, like Johnny Depp tries to do. I mean, I think we're all oversaturated with Johnny Depp at this point, but he was, uh, you know, he was always like that. Um, Robert Downey Jr. and Iron Man. I mean, yes, he's just playing a version of himself, but holy shit. Like, can you imagine if Tom Cruise really, really had been Iron Man, like was maybe almost going to happen in the 90s? He would have been right. a perfectly serviceable Tony Stark. No problem. He also would have been. No big deal. No big whoop as a character. We've seen all this before. He's he's just playing, uh, you know, a version of what we've already seen. Like, 
the fact that we got the RDJ Tony Stark, it's like, it, it's the, it's the greatest thing. It's the absolute greatest thing. There are so many, you know, little things that he worked in that weren't in the script or couldn't be in the script, little looks and ticks and little like half stutters and little things. And Oh my God, I'm watching, I'm watching Willow this last time. And I said to uh, Mrs. Parasite, I'm like, I'm like, I bet you anything that he ad-libbed like all his lines. Right. Because I don't know how you would write any of these down and think that they were good. Yet somehow. Yeah, like to, to read them on a script and then paper, be like, okay, this would be how I deliver it. It's like, no, no, he just in the moment like said this shit and it came out hilarious. Like, like you can't, just... you can't write down. And then Migosh goes over, slams the bottom of the crow cage. Mad Mardigan tumbles out and says, I feel better. <laughs> like you're going to write down. He, wait, he's going to say, I feel better. Right. It's like, no, it's his delivery. I it's the way he, it's, it's everything that, that Valkymer puts into that role is what makes Mad Mardigan fantastic. Right. And, and I that... think that's why this movie is perfect <laughs> yes. is because is, is not just Mad Mardigan. It's how every character perfectly embodies what they need to be. I mean, Warwick Davis has, you know, never gotten to be a starring role. I mean, he was only eight, he was only 17 at this point. So this yes. is like right at the beginning of his career. So, you know, obviously that's, you know, not fair to say at that point, but in retrospect, he is not a leading man. That being said, he is incredibly great as Willow. And yeah. like the the depth of emotion that he gets to portray throughout the whole movie is is very very good. You know he he gets to be a, a leading person. You have a movie that champions little people throughout the be, you know beginning and as just a major culture of yep. this world, the Nelwyn. The Nelwyn you know yeah. it's like that's that's so unheard of and so you know great and it has so much heart and there's so much culture and i i think i think why you know this movie uh, yeah i i agree like you know people say what's like a perfect movie and like i feel like the princess bride always comes to mind and it's like yeah sure but also like yes i think willow deserves to be in that conversation too uh like you said the comedy lands the drama lands the like the setup of the story is really interesting and, and just, you know, something different. Um, also, Alora Dannon is the most adorable, expressive baby ever. <laughs> and the way that they use her and her little like baby noises and facial expressions throughout the movie is perfect. It's like yeah, comic great. gold. And yeah. they just, she's an infant, you know, yeah. tiniest baby. And they just turned her into a character, which is like unheard of. Babies don't get to be characters. They're just like liabilities, you know? Yeah. No, Laura Dannon is 100% part of this movie. And yeah, it's just everything in it is so great. And uh, clearly, you know, it, it gave confidence enough that people were like, Hey, you know, let's option this out. Let's make some video games. Yeah. Right. right. Like let's, let's do more with this. Right. And I think maybe why Willow gets forgotten is because unlike a lot of things, there was no further iteration on it. Like, like people saw the movie and most people probably didn't play games or didn't play these games. And so it just was like, that was a great movie that I saw that one time. It's like stardust, you know, it's like, that was a great movie. I saw yeah. that one time. Yeah. You know, and then you go and watch it and you're like, damn, this is a really good movie. Yeah. But Stardust yeah, great, yeah, it's just easy to kind of overlook it. Yeah. But uh, well, so you know. this actually was a movie that a lot of the studios didn't want to produce because there had already been like four or five really big failed, massive like bombs 
in the world of fantasy and mm. fairy tale type movies. Uh, these included mm-hmm. um, for sure Labyrinth and Dark Crystal, both mm-hmm. lost tons of money. Yep. Unfortunately, even though they're regarded as classics now, uh, right. also Legend, time. Legend, same thing. Um, also, I think uh, uh, Krull was actually supposed to be like a big movie. It's it's such a cheese ball, but like at the time, it was billed as a serious thing, and like you know, the next Star Wars, and uh, it just bombed and lost mm-hmm. a ton of money. Also, Excalibur, I think Dragon Slayer. There's a lot of of failed uh, failed fantasy. Eighties is just not. Uh, the decade of fantasy. It was the decade of the slasher. And, uh, you know, it's like, even if it was Friday the 13th part eight, it's going to make more money than Willow. And it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know if that really happened, but uh, that part eight made more money than Willow. But Willow was not a bomb. Uh, it cost around, I think I think it was like, uh, like I don't know, 50 million or something. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not even going to say the amounts, but I, I'm <laughs> going to get it all wrong. I'm terrible with numbers. But it, it didn't lose money, but it also didn't make enough to justify movie sequels because yeah. Lucas did want to make more sequels. Mm-hmm. So then he said, all right, fine. I'm just going to write books. And he optioned out, you know, the material. And eventually three books came out and um, I've heard nothing but math things about them. I don't really want to talk about them. I've never read them myself, but there Maybe are there. three Willow book sequels, but there is also a novelization to the movie. And that actually, um, I purchased today. Uh, I found it on eBay. There's actually a bunch of copies, Neat. mass market paperback copies um, for under $5 free shipping. A lot of people are selling them. Uh, and it's supposed to be a very good adaptation of the movie, but it also includes a bunch of cut stuff that was written and was like either maybe going to be in the movie or was actually filmed and deleted and like, you know, like the deleted scenes. And there are some deleted scenes that are actually in the Blu-ray version that I don't have. Uh, but I was reading a lot about uh, some of these scenes and I did want to kind of talk about them before we dove into the game. But um, I shared one, I shared a little video with you today about the I think what's become the most infamous one is. Yeah, the fish, fish boy. boy. Fish, fish boy. boy never knew about this right so apparently so in the movie um i feel like that little kid with the dinosaurs apparently um <laughs> uh, apparently there's gonna be this scene apparently that apparently willow is apparently gonna get to this boat apparently and so it was when they were gonna go to the island uh, where finn rizel was and uh apparently uh there was gonna be this whole middle scene of him actually sailing to the island. We see them arrive on the shore and they sort of set up camp and they have tents and stuff. And then we just sort of see like Willow on the island. And uh, there was supposed to be a scene of him getting to the island. And when he's like getting ready to leave, there's there's this really creepy like bald kid and he kind of really far away. And he's like, hey, what, what, what the fuck are you doing? And Willow's he's like, like, I like turtles. He's like, like, oh, no. I- He's like, oh, I'm going to this. I'm going to this fucking island, and uh, he's like, yeah, I, I, I got to do an errand. And the, the the bald kid's like, he's like, yeah, don't do that. Is island's it's fucking cursed. <laughs> don't do it. That time, and, and then he jumps in the water and swims away. It's like really just kind of weird. And then he was Willow's going to be like, oh, I don't know what that was a was about, but I'm going to definitely still go to this island. Uh, and so he goes and he's and he's on the water. And then uh, the kid was supposed to show up on the side of his boat and have have these like prosthetic shark teeth and be like scary looking. 
and try to drag Willow into the water. And then Willow was going to like hit him on the head with his paddle or something. And he was going to go under and come up again as this giant fish monster. And Super there are cool all, looking fish monster. Wicked cool. And there are all these uh, screenshots of, of the fish. If you look up Willow fish boy on, on Google images, you're going to find a ton of stuff. And in fact, the scene is intact in the novelization and it's intact in the Marvel comics adaptation, uh, which I've never read, but it's a three issue miniseries because if anybody in the eighties was going to do a movie adaptation, it was going to be Marvel. They were just the movie adaptation whores and they did a three, uh, uh, three comic version of the movie. And, and that was actually in the comic, same thing. So, uh, he's supposed to have this this fight with with the fish boy and eventually beat him and then, you know, get to the island and everything's after that is the same. But, you know, it was just another fun, like set piece, another neat thing and whatever. Um, however, there was one thing about it that I wish like it, it, the fact that it, it got taken out, which, according to Ron Howard, was because they could not get the special effects to look right. Yes, the model of the fish is amazing, but in action it's really fake looking which is the same problem that steven spielberg had with jaws so you know Not an easy thing to conquer yeah and it's the same reason why the freaking octopus was ended up being taken out of the goonies because yep. they couldn't get it to look real it just it's on these hydraulics it looks really robotic the way it moves and it's just super fake and i mean the fact that that jaws looks as good as it does it's it's insane but you know he's barely in it and mm -hmm. a lot of it's like the best scene with jaws i think is when he's at the bottom of the boat and he the boats you know turning vertical the shark doesn't really need to move he's just open and closing his mouth so he doesn't he's not moving like a, a real animal would like swimming yeah. yeah that kind of stuff so this was difficult because the fish was supposed to be actually like rearing out of the water attacking the boat and they just couldn't get it to look right and so ron howard said it killed him to do it but he felt like the the special effects were such of such high caliber that he didn't want one of them to stand out as like subpar. So they just, they just took it out. Um, but it's anyway, yeah, uh, apparently there was another deleted scene. Uh, oh no, I was going to say, yeah. So the one thing I really, really wish. Okay. So at the beginning of the movie, Willow sets off on his journey. He's, he's uh, he gets uh, his gift from the high Nelwyn played by Billy Barty. Played by Billy Barty. And he gives him he gives him three acorns, right? And the acorns he, he says will will turn anything to stone. So he sets out, and this is like all he fucking has. Like Just he's a got a handful he's got, of nuts. Yeah, it's it's not like even like you know, it's dangerous to go outside, take the sword. It's like he, he doesn't even have a fucking sword, he has three acorns that he's taking that supposedly are gonna work. He's just turning people to stone. Um, so in the movie, he uses them. He uses two and both are useless. He gets three. He only uses two. One he uses. He tries to use on the troll in Tiraslene right before uh, he turns the other one into the, the Ebersisk. Mm -hmm. And uh, he but he he drops it and it hits the bridge and it turns one plank of the bridge into stone. So it's like, oh, shit. Well, apparently the original plan was he was going to do that in the boat against the fish. Okay. Against Fish Boy. And he was going to turn the boat into stone. So 
I don't know if there was going to be repercussions of that. Like, was the boat then going to sink? Because holy shit, that's an amazing idea. Right. Oops, I accidentally dropped the freaking... Turn the boat to stone. To my detriment. Like, I fucked myself because I turned the boat to stone. Or if it was just going to basically turn to stone and keep on floating, I have no idea. Or if he was going to use this, the, another one to then turn the fish to stone, I'm not really sure. To me, that's what should have happened. I think he should have used, I think one of those freaking acorns should have been useful. It should have mm-hmm. been used for a reason. It's they're Chekhov's acorns and they are useless in the actual movie. Yeah. So I think based on what I read about, he was going to fumble it and turn the boat to stone. That makes me think that they took that idea and then moved it to the troll bridge. Because you're not going to do that twice, right? You're not going to do that two times to have them drop it. And, Oops, I turned mm-hmm, wooden to stone. Mm-hmm. You're not going right. to. Right. So I, it makes me think that they probably repurposed that concept for the troll bridge. Um, but at the end of the movie, he uses one on Bavmorda's hand. And it's just to show you that his weak Nelwyn magic is, is truly pathetic. It starts to turn her hand to stone. It, it starts to work, but she's just so powerful. It's just no just chance. Just undoes it. She's like, and, nah. Which is what makes it even better that he outdoes her actual sorcery with smoke and mirrors. With parlor tricks. It's great. It's just the mm-hmm. best. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, so like what okay, well, you there was a third acorn you didn't even use, and neither of the two you did use helped you in any way, shape, or form. So it's kind of weird, but I I don't know. I, I feel like I want to read the book and I want to read the comic maybe and see how he defeated Fishboy. And I do wonder if that acorn is how he does it because that would be perfect. Yeah. The acorn was for fish boy. That's, that's what he was going to use it on. Save and one for fish boy. Yeah. That would have been, I think that would have been great. And honestly, I love the concept that he turned the boat to stone and it sinks. I love, I love that idea. I don't know if it was really going to sink, but I did read that it was yeah. supposed to drop it and turn the boat to stone. That so, would have been good. I don't know how he was going to get back if, if it did sink, because he's got to get back to the mainland. So I'm not sure, but, Anyway, kind of interesting. Real quick, uh, the other really interesting thing that I guess was cut was a whole subplot that was going to involve a couple of different scenes of a character I've never even considered before. And now I feel like a damn fool. Sorsha's dad. Who the, f- who the fuck is right. Sorsha's dad? No. He like was a- like, whatever. I, I, I'm out of here. Bav Mort is nuts. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> right, but the idea that that Bav Morta like had relations. I mean, she wasn't always the evil queen. I don't know. And, I well, mean, it's source, source is like in her probably you know mid twenties or something. Yeah. So anyway, we just in the movie her her father is never mentioned, but apparently uh, it's explained more in the book, and it was supposed to be in the movie, but apparently uh, Bav Morta and Finn Rizel were were from Tiras Lean. The city that they get to and fight the Ebersisk and it's all messed up and there are all these people, they're all enchanted. They're, it looks like their pictures are just on the stones of the various surfaces of the of the castle, which I think mm. is just an awesome effect and I haven't seen that before. It could have been that they were stone statues that we've seen many times. Right. Instead, it's like their images were almost like Pompeii, but it's like it's like their there, you could see colors and stuff too, and features. It was like paintings. It was like murals of people, but they were real. They really were the people who were enchanted. I thought that was creepy as hell. Yeah. Apparently, uh, they were all from there. Uh, Bavmorda and Finn Rizel had a rivalry thing going. 
uh, something about the the prince was uh, fell in love with Finn Rizal. Bavmorda got super jealous, decided to enchant him to make him fall in love with her, just to fucking just just as a middle finger to Finn Rizal. And then when he fell madly in love with Bavmorda, had the relations uh, to f- finally like the final nail in the coffin was uh, she turned Finn Rizal into a possum and like tossed her on an island. Oof. So uh, yeah. Um, so the dad was supposed to be the prince of Tirasleen, who in one scene, Sorsha was actually supposed to get to Tirasleen. I don't believe she she was there in the movie. I think it was just Kale. I don't recall. I don't believe that she was in that scene when they yeah because they, they got there and they there was a whole bunch of trolls they had to fight. Yeah, there were the trolls, and then you know Mad Mardigan gets his upgrade. He gets his 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 final armor, and. Uh, and they have this big battle with uh, the forces of General Kale. And also then the Ibrisis comes out of nowhere. And then they all kind of have to deal with it. It's a great battle scene. But apparently, originally, Sorsha was going to be in that scene. Apparently, apparently. And, uh, <laughs> don't and know what she was actually going to like have a quiet moment. Um, I, I imagine it was probably after the good guys left. I guess I'm not really quite sure how it would have worked, but supposedly there is a, a, apparently I keep saying apparently it's on the find, Blu-ray. Find, find a new word. I, I can't. I'm broken. It's on the Blu-ray supposedly, allegedly. Hey. Um. Uh. So that's cool. It was filmed, but they took it out. But she goes over to one of the uh, the mural people, and it's her dad, and she puts her hand on it, and you know has a quiet moment of reflection, and she can hear him, and he says stuff that makes her start to doubt Bav Morda for the first time. So her turn to the, to the light side was not entirely supposed to be only the fact that Mad Mardigan professed undying love. Like it was also supposed to be, this was going to put the seed in her head that maybe her mom is a lying evil bitch. Right. Right. Yeah. Cause her transformation is kind of like, Wow. All it took was one guy under the spell of some dust yeah. to like convince you to not be evil. You've really never been hugged even so once. I honestly, I can see both sides of the argument. It does seem very thin. It's very silly. But on the other side, she has never been hugged. Right. I, I think this is the only it time makes it she's very clear. a nice thing. <laughs> she's had a very crap uh, childhood and yeah. upbringing and everything. Yeah. So I mean, her- she's like, you know what? F this. Yeah, I think it's I'm not loyal to my mom. I just have nobody else. Not only like that, but probably nice at all. So, yeah, I I think I think that uh, it just shook her so completely that she just didn't know what to do. And she didn't trust him immediately, but it just shook her. And then it was like three or four times before she finally, you know, before they finally kissed or whatever. But um, and uh, I mean, it's after we get one of my favorite lines in the movie. One of them, obviously, is the one we mentioned that I feel better. That's just, I that's so funny. Better. I feel better. Like of all the things he was going to say that the better, like, I feel great. I feel wonderful. Fantastic. Like free. I feel better. And it's the funniest fucking thing. I love also when Mad Mardigan later, uh, Willow's telling him what he did when he was under the spell, the, uh, the dust of the broken heart, and he's professing all this. You are my sun, my, my starlit sky. I dwell in darkness without you. Um, and, and he's like, what? 
He's like, yeah, you said, you said, you said all this poetry, like my son, my starless guy, like you said, you loved her. He's like, what? I don't love her. She kicked me in the face. <laughs> yes. His inflection is perfect in that moment too. So um, good. Super uh, good. So, so, so funny. But um, anyway, um, literally could make an entire episode about the movie. I just, it's one of those ones I could go on. We, we basically what have. Say? What do you want to say? And I'll just shut up. Um, this movie. I mean, I don't know. We're we're like forty minutes into our podcast, and we barely even talked about anything other than the movie. I, I just, so I just, I can't stop. It's it's a good movie. It's a good movie. Um, you know, let's not pretend like this is entirely about the NES game. This is this is as much a episode celebrating the movie as it is the game, and that's perfectly a multimedia okay. celebration on this episode of the Crow's Nest. Absolutely, Caca. yes, Kaka. Um, yeah, so I mean, I don't know. I think we're done with the movie. I would say, right? Okay. Like, probably, probably good to move on. Cool, cool. Um, and and so you know, the movie was kind of the afterthought, right? Like, we we started going, hey, what are what are some NES games that like you've always wanted to play through? You never give right. the time of day to, mm-hmm. um, uh, frankly, games that we owned. You know, we we owned. Yeah, I had uh, this on NES. Willow for I, the NES. Yeah. I remember and, I picked this up at some point just as a loose cart. Like, yeah when i was so, much younger so you know this was something that we had uh in our collection and you know separately you know at the time we didn't each play through like a lot of the same games together or whatever growing up because of you know our difference in age and stuff but i definitely gave this game an honest try you know al- along with steve giving the game an honest try and both a million found, years ago a million years ago and both found that it was really you know tough and seemed cool and whatever but never really played much yeah, of it. Yeah, a little it. obtuse, a little, a little yeah. bit more obtuse hard, than hard I was Hard to figure out to. where to go, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, it's like, okay, so at the time you just kind of put it down and go, oh, well, you know, maybe someday I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and right. really try and figure this right. out. And then, you know, 30 years I ago. Never, I, I never felt like it was a bad game. No, I, there was never, never did I, yeah. Something in the back of my head, I always felt like I bet if I persevered in this game, I would love it. Yeah, bet. yeah. I always meant to go back, and you're right. Thirty years later, right? Thirty years later, you know, it's like insane, and it's it's cool to to be able to go back and revisit something that you you know never gave a fair chance, and and be able to walk away with it with a positive ex- you know experience. Yes. You know, it's not something that you're going back to and loving because oh you know the nostalgia is kicking in or oh I you know everything right. blah blah blah. It's like when when you know starting to to see it again and playing again. It's like there was some nostalgia of like oh yeah I remember this place and I remember this right, town and right. blah blah blah. But you know a lot of it is just experiencing it for the first yeah, time. Because we, neither one of us got anywhere. Right. So like, you know, to, to, to paint the picture, uh, you, you turn on Willow for the NES and you're greeted with a game that looks a hell of a lot like another game. And that game is called Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it, albeit with, in my opinion, much better graphics, much more detail I mean, in the environment. I mean, there's no opinion about it. I mean, the first Zelda looks like crap compared to this. There's, you I know, mean, like this, this doesn't honestly, have the large swaths of solid color. It's like every little detail yeah. has got like, you know, vines and grass yes. and little yes. boulders and just and like, like tons and tons of detail. Yeah, the, the, the trees will blow in the wind and the grass moves. I mean, there is a lot of detail. The graphics in this game are top notch. Super this, good. In my opinion, it's the best looking top down um, adventure RPG on the NES. A lot of people compare this to Zelda. A lot of people compare it to Crystallis, which came out like two years later. 
I believe it came out two or three years mm-hmm. after this. This mm-hmm. game actually came out in 1989, a, a year and a few months later after the movie, which is probably why it it really probably didn't do that well because the right. movie was considered again not a flop, but it didn't do great. It wasn't and a smash I think hit. There was that initial push where they were mm-hmm. hoping it was going to be a thing, and there were some figures and toys and different things. There was a board game that came out, and and then like a year and a half later, this came out. And I think maybe Willow Mania, if, if it existed at all, was kind of like pretty lukewarm by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if this game had come out and, and you know, alongside the movie, yeah, I think maybe. that the game yeah. would have gotten a lot more, you know, traction. But yeah. also it wouldn't have been this game. You know, it, like, I think the reason why right. this game is time, so yeah. good is that they weren't pressured, really. Yeah. You know, they're like, we have the license. We're going to make it. We're making it. Yeah. Uh, but it's going to come out, uh, you know, in a year or whatever. Right. And I, I, it's probably something that nobody was like dying for. Right. So, you know, it's 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 double edged sword. It's like, well, but, it is a better game for it. But right. didn't and get just, the big just real audience. quick to complete my point on on uh, what I was trying to make. Crystallis came out like two or three years after this. And it looks like shit. Now, I'm not saying Crystallis is a bad game, but if you put the two games side by side, it does not look like this came out three years earlier. The yeah, Will, of, Willow really has and Crystallis, a like the main character, walks with only two frames of animation. Even like, I mean, it really looks a lot worse than this game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm only judging the looks. I'm not judging the gameplay, but um, yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think, I think it's easy to have, you know, on the NES sections of, of graphic or whatever, that are just these big solid colors. And it's like, you know, it's, it's whatever lazy, it's cheaper. It's, it's, it's easier to make a bigger area because it's less resource intensive, whatever. But Willow definitely had it in spades as far as, you know, your, your depth of, of kind of world, you know, development and, and drawing and everything like the art is just fantastic. And, you know, I think, the thing that that really sets this game apart is that you know you have these overworld areas that you explore around. Uh, you have different little houses that you go into and different people that you can talk to. And I think one of the most striking things is that when you go into a house or when you talk to a character, the game kind of gives you almost like this portrait style of view where yeah. it switches to like a little animated you know window. It's very different. And it's very different. You have like an animated window on the right that shows like the characters walking up to each other and then you have a portrait of who you're talking to on the left which by and large are all i mean incredibly good so good like you, you meet so, Vonkar, so like the you know the badass yep. like most strong of the nelwyn from the movie yeah the and that warrior looks guy fucking exactly yeah. like him the graphic for mad mardigan looks exactly yeah. like him i mean you know the general Kale, looks great the general, general Kale Kale portrait is Dude. amazing and yeah. a lot of like made-up characters for the game all look eric great. eric is even in it you know yep. it's like eric shows up he looks great the frangine and rule make an appearance were huge characters in the movie yeah I mean, um, you know they're in the game like four times they're in the game yeah, yeah they're in the game a couple times not for anything you know any real significance like they, mm-hmm. they do a couple things for you sorcia looks great Kale looks great. Bab Mortal. I mean, it's like yeah. they put such attention. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, there's a shit ton of characters that are 
you know, made up for this mm-hmm. and, and they're all, you know, cool and well done. So, you know, artistically it's great. You know, it gives you, you know, the characters will talk. The one thing that's frustrating is you can't advance the text any faster. You Ooh, just kind of need that. to, you need <laughs> yeah. to just watch the text go through and uh, certain places you'll have to go in there to uh, talk to a character to heal. Like, you know, instead of resting at an inn or something, you'll, you'll talk to certain characters and they'll heal you up, but you have to, you know, physically watch the text scroll every single time and some of them are really lengthy like the bar that's later in the game and you first go there and it's (laughs) like there's three people that need to give you a full spiel about what's currently happening in the world every time you heal it's like okay if you hit that point in the game don't heal there just find a different place to heal um but yeah, it's it's really cool because there are, you know, sections of the game where you'll you'll backtrack to old places, you'll use items that you get in a certain dungeon to unlock stuff differently, not like Metroid, but more just like rewarding you for kind of going back and and kind of seeing what's up in an older area. Um, you know, not something necessary, but something that's sometimes beneficial. It's necessary, but yeah, usually it's not. Right, sometimes it is necessary and the characters will try to guide you pretty well and i think like you know our our basic experience with the game was it was it was very playable Mm -hmm. uh there wasn't a lot of instances where i felt like i have no idea what to do i'm completely lost but i personally did hit a couple points like that later in the game and that's where like having a nintendo power or something right at the time would have been you know clutch having having just a map because seriously the, some, of the, the, some of the locations are pretty goddamn big. They're goddamn big. And the thing that they do that is tricky is a lot of the areas just kind of look similar when you're when you're walking through like a forest or a canyon or whatever. You know, it's again, it's like Zelda. So you'll touch the edge of a screen, you know, top left, right or down, yep. and it'll scroll the screen. Uh, and a lot of times you'll be scrolling through screens and whatnot, walking around and you'll kind of like lose track of where you are right and then all of a sudden be like oh shit am i am i here again like am i somehow back here and it's like no the screen just looks exactly the same right so that kind of stuff you know i think they do it on purpose to make it a little bit more of a labyrinth a little bit more Mm -hmm. tricky Mm -hmm. but you know it's it's tough you you kind of just have to make a map honestly as you go Mm -hmm. um i think that's one of the things that tends to be popular in older games is like being a cartographer yourself without straight out telling you like drawing a map actually would help a lot but you know it it not everyone has like a pen and paper to just do that um people can afford nintendo games they just can't afford pens and papers right i i certainly can't afford the desk space where i'm playing said nintendo stuff right um but yeah you know the the game has uh you you play as willow uh, you have a sword and a shield you don't immediately start the game with. Uh, and, you know, as you as you keep going, you're getting stronger swords, you're getting stronger shields, all that stuff. Uh, some of them are rewards for doing different things. Yeah, so this is uh, a very different willow. Very this different a, willow. Uh, and like a battle willow. Battle and, ready and, In a lot of ways. And it, it happens in the same space as the movie. Like it's not like a yeah. sequel to the movie or a prequel. It's like it, these are the these are basically the events of the movie, but with like more put in there for a game. Yeah, it feels like they took all the characters and all the locations and some just willowy ideas mm-hmm. and just threw them in a pot and stirred it all up and came up with something different, which really, let's be fair, is basically the Dark Tower movie. But that sucked, and this is great. Plus, this was a Nintendo game, so I can totally freaking just accept it, and it's totally fine. 
And in fact, it makes it almost more fun because even though it's like completely freaking different, you, you totally get excited when, when a character from the movie does show up finally, it's wicked fun. Right. Like when you first find Mad Mardigan, you're like, oh, shit, here's my guy. Like he's just sitting there all tied up and shit. And you got to go find the key and help him out. Like he's not in a crow cage, but whatever. He's just like sitting in the middle of a forest. He's just sitting in the middle of a forest. Like, oh, damn it. It's like, couldn't you just stand up? The dialogue's so funny when you run into Sorsha and she's like, she's like, have you seen Mad Mardigan? He was a suspicious man doing suspicious things. We locked him up. (laughs) Like we just put a stop to that real quick. (laughs) He was being suspicious. Suspicious. (laughs) Don't be suspicious. <laughs> Don't be suspicious. Like he was, he was maximum so suspicious. Oh man. Uh, he, yeah. And, was, and you know, he was, he was too sus. That's the way too sus, way too sus. Uh, so Willow definitely is, ju- you know, more battle ready, you know, kind of more like a Frodo in this yeah. situation. Like he's, he's, he's handy with a sword. Uh, I see Sam. I see. Okay. I see, okay. Yeah. He's, he, a, he, he looks he's a like Sam. Sam. Don't you know? Like Sam don't, don't you know? He does. He really does. Yeah. Um, they captured the hair perfectly. Yeah, they did. It's Nailed a little. It. You know what? I wish I had thought <laughs> of that and played the whole game thinking that I was controlling Sean Astin. <laughs> I wish to God. Honestly, you could just make a like an easy ROM hack and just mm-hmm. change the title screen from Willow to just Sam. Sean Astin. Just, no, just oh, say Sean Astin. Sean Astin. <laughs> just Sean. Well, uh, change every instance of the word Willow to the word Sean. Samwise. <laughs> It's just Sean wise. wise. Sean was <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, you don't even need to do much. So you can literally strong. just, cl- just, just pretend that uh-huh. he's done. He's it's just that. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Uh, so to, uh, you know, little scatter shot of, of opinion here. Um, we, we like this game a lot. One of the things that I want to um, highlight is that uh, unlike Zelda, when you kill enemies in this game, you do gain experience points. You mm-hmm. have thresholds where you'll get enough experience points. You'll level up. Your you know maximum health will increase. Your maximum magic points will increase. And that's kind of the main point where Willow from the game is similar in ways to Willow from the movie is that he's a sorcerer. So you do get a ton of magic spells throughout the game. And you start the game, not start the game, but the first magic thing you get are the magic acorns, which turn things to stone. Now, you do granted, get from Billy Barty. You do get them from Billy Barty. And uh, I also found them to be fucking useless. So I never used them. Yeah, they sucked. They I never sucked. used them, which is a, which is, is in character for how they acted in the movie. <laughs> you, uh, you know, you got it. You got to give it to them. And at one point in the game, I was like, oh, fuck. Are the bosses so hard because I'm stupid and I'm not using the damn acorns? And then I tried nope. to throw acorns at them. And I'm like, oh, no. Nope, they're no. they're junk. You At that point, you shoot three and you have no magic left. Right. So. You're like, pew, pew. Uh, well ass and they and <clears throat> but there's a lot of really anything. great spells that you get Ton. later and Ton. as your uh, magic increases it really becomes it, you become like able to use a decent amount of magic. a little bit able to lean on it more as yeah, opposed to like oh it's shit more fun as you go it's harder to use at the beginning feels mm-hmm. very very precious right at the beginning right and you'll get um, a healing item a healing spell or heal mace whatever and that when once you have that you're kind of like well i'm not ever going to use anything that's not the healing so, thing so, because it's so precious 100 percent. so pause for one second on the heal mace i watched two or three different youtube reviews of this game and all of them said there's only one they said there's only one healing magic and you don't get it until almost the end of the game i'm like y'all missed the heal mace that's at the beginning what yeah it's like they all said that 
the chief of do which is the second town you go to <laughs> please you, help this town of do town of do you <laughs> have to talk to him like can you can you go through the game and not like talk weird, to him? Like all these YouTubers either missed it somehow, which I feel like is impossible, is or impossible. they just never tried it. Yeah, like the heel mace is like you just said. It's all I fucking used for like it's half the all game. you use because at that point in the game you have the acorns. You you get like a fire spell a little later that makes like a circle of fireballs around you, which I felt like was borderline useless because the fireballs like don't move with you. Right. Like you just create them in a circle where you were when you cast it, and then. You know, they just stay so for there. The, so. so for the, you, you, you know, just like in Zelda, when you scroll into the next like square part of the level, um, enemies will either appear or they won't, but it's always a certain type for every square. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and any given you know totally screen right. has like okay, yeah. this one will sometimes have skele- skeletons, right? But if it has nothing, then but it, if it doesn't have, have skeletons, it'll right. have nothing. Yeah. Well, sometimes so you will sometimes get to see actually the only two monsters that are like uh, the only two enemies that are actually from the movie are later you encounter trolls mm-hmm. and uh, you do uh, encounter the death dogs. The death dogs, like yeah. Uh, you know, attack the giant shrews. Very scary uh, from the movie in Very the scene scary. where they're, yeah, yeah, they're just like going and see that was another w- another way of making a monster was yep. they they did they literally did the exact same thing from the movie Attack of the Giant Shrews from the fifties, and uh, they just they literally put costumes on Rottweilers and, just, <laughs> and it, it works it works a hundred percent they are so like, scary I they're was so super scared fast of the and creepy yeah i was so scared of them when they like descend upon the nursemaid that gets a laura dan into the river and just ravage her from far away and we get to the, the baby's perspective as she's floating down it's like wicked scary that's another moment i forgot to mention that freaking like really stuck with me but anyway yeah they're enemies yeah. in the game but sometimes uh those guys and then there are like these i don't know blue tick corn hound flies <laughs> i don't know you know, like it's like a it's like a hound dog and a fly and a, uh, and a blue bottle yeah fly. yeah and, and, they, and they they will sometimes just buzz around so if you have the fire on those types of enemies the type to dash at you yeah it's useful but it's just not necessary it's not that necessary it really isn't so like you you, you mostly just save it for the healing you get the fleet spell which is great Super and great. You can uh, exit any dungeon that you're in, and yep. you will go right back to wherever the last which exit. which is totally worth having. On yep. like in Zelda, where you have a map as you go, you know, kind of showing you at least <clears throat> square by square where you've been. When you're you know in a dungeon in this game, you do not have any kind of surefire right. way back. And some of these damn caves are so friggin' convoluted that you will totally get lost and have yep. a hard time finding your way back. Yeah. So the fleet I mean, spell I was spent great. A lot of time in this game exploring, and I have to say, most of it was really fun. Mm-hmm. By the end of the game, I was uh, kind of done with the exploring, and the last two castles are like grid system type. So yeah. they're so big, and they're just grids. So you have to like go systematically, like row by row, and it's just not fun anymore. But the cave systems, which were more windy and more chaotic, uh, I had like a decent amount of fun exploring and i always f- fucking found extra stuff and by the end of the game i did have everything in the game so i didn't miss uh, any because you, you can get swords shields and magical items mm-hmm. and then there are like key items in the game that certain characters will give you and that goes into like a fourth slot but you're not going to find those from a chest you're going to get those no matter what because the story dictates that you need it yeah um, but yeah so like you know by the end of the game i, I had everything um and it 
it was it was a joy, honestly, to explore and find the stuff as opposed to Faxanadu, which if you've heard our episodes, this is our, like our third episode where we the two of us have done a crow's nest on an old Nintendo on game. An old Nint- to play. Well, yeah, right, right. And it is the first time that we ended up loving the game. <laughs> because we forgo, we for forwent our original plan of having the next episode be uh Legend Zelda of Zelda 2, two yeah. which I have a strong feeling would have been a negative time. I think we're gonna so have- <laughs> so we're still yeah. gonna do it. Yeah. But uh, you know, we have a little breath of fresh air with the game that with we both Willow. liked. Yeah, I mean, this was just a random unplanned thing. I just have still to a it. Zelda type t- oh, style game I mean, though. I mean, seriously, the difference between like Faxanadu, if you like are interested or if you like that game, yeah, go find our crow's nest. It's called Faxanadu's and Faxanadon'ts. There's a lot in there about how it punishes you for exploration. Mm -hmm. Like you have to explore, but it constantly punishes you for doing it and it makes it impossibly possible. And and for that, it just sapped the fun, you know, right out of it. But this was like, it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. I can go yeah. anywhere. I don't have to fucking open the door to the cave and go buy a key every time to get it. It's like the doors just open. Just remove yeah. that. Just right. I mean, later, you know, there, there, there is, you know, some keys that are around, whatever, but it's like, those are like, okay, it's telegraphed pretty well. It's like, this is yeah. locked. That's There's like, a character yeah, that's who like might have saying, like this key. key item. Right. It's a key item. It's not a use item, you know, right. and, and, you know, for, for all the dungeons in this game, there are plenty of dead ends, but there are, way more actual worthwhile you know uh treasures or things to yeah. find as you're exploring totally. around between weapons shields and magic spells like yep. there are a good amount of cool things to come across and, and a you lot know, of it I, you don't need yeah a lot of it is is you know stuff that's optional or stuff like, that's, oh, that's maybe a better just, shield you don't need it right you but could have skipped shield. that shield, but it's better cool. and you know it'll make you so you know you take less damage well, honestly the fleet spell is totally missable yeah. You don't need to find that. You could easily miss that. And then you would never be able to warp out of a dungeon. I yep. was so happy when I found that. Yep. So I think that, you know, that's that's a huge thing that makes this game really fun. And uh, one of the other things that I wanted to tie into um, talking about leveling up that's really cool is that when you get a weapon. Yes. Um, the weapons. Yeah. So, the, so when you get a weapon, and this was one of the things I remembered having a really hard time with as a kid was... Uh, if you're standing still and you hit the attack button, he does like a big swinging arc. And then if you're moving in a direction and you hit attack, he'll do a jab or a little stab. Yeah. Uh, so as a kid, I don't recall if I realized that you could stab. I may, I may have just thought you had to stand still and swing. Oh, okay. So I, so I had a hard time with that, but either way, um, you're swinging and your attack animation is pretty slow. Uh, but when you first get the sword in the game, the first sword, you you know, there's a little line of dialogue that's like, oh, you know, it might be kind of cumbersome to use, from but Von over Car. time, yeah, from Von Carr, yeah. uh, he gives you the long sword, and uh, you know, he says it might be kind of hard to use, but over time you'll get better with it, and uh, and you know, it'll it won't be so so difficult to use after a while. Right, and you totally and, and you don't think that means anything. It just real. sounds dismissible flavor text. Like, yeah. cool, all right, world building, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah right. okay. Uh, it's still a game though, right? And so you know, the way that they deal with it is that. When you're when you level up, uh, it makes it makes when the you sword level up. Level up. It makes the sword easier to use uh, in the sense of it becomes way faster to swing, like remarkably faster. Yeah. So the thing the thing to note is that at the beginning of the game, pretty much every time you level up, whatever the last sword is that you got, like every time you get a new sword, that one's going to start out slow, and then the next level you gain, it'll be fast again. And so it seems as though uh, the weapons that you get 
get faster with each level up that you, you know, you acquire. Um, but late later in the game, there is a sword that I noticed called the devil eye. And that sword is really unique because it is the only sword in the whole game that is able to attack like non-living or undead creatures. So there's like certain magical creatures that you can only kill with the devil's eye and they will always drop magic and they are only able to be hit with the devil eye. And I swung that sword slow for many level ups. And I had different, I had different swords past that. I, you know, you get the wing sword, the Kaiser sword, the wonder sword, like those are all, you know, stronger and made for attacking like physical creatures, but the devil eye, it just, it just goes right through any physical creature. Yeah. But it took me forever to figure out what it was used. Oh my God. I know. I, I, I didn't get it. Cause like you get it and it is like 50 points stronger than the previous sword that you have. You're You're like, like, Oh my God. Shit. I just broke the game. Right? No, it doesn't work on friggin' anything. So, right. But there are certain enemies that will just, this thing barely works. Doesn't issue lasers out the front, but it's only (laughs) meant for undead things. It's a way that you can harvest magic. Uh, And that particular weapon, you don't get to swing it really fast until you're like level 10 or something. Like it took, it took me until way later in the game to notice, holy shit, I'm swinging it faster all of a sudden. But that's a minor caveat for the most part, as you're getting weapons and you level up when you have them, you become very okay. fast at using them. And which level is 10, just, just FYI, is a pretty late level. You, oh, you yeah. can't beat the game, I don't think, before you're level you're 14. Until you're level 13. 13 or 14, yeah. So 13 is what you need for to transform Finn Rizel back into a human. Yep. I think you won't have enough magic to kill Bav Morda at that Until point. 14. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, so that's one of the things it's like, okay, it's so kind of bullshit, 10, but eh, it, it is. It's kind of bullshit. Uh, one of the things I was disappointed in is that none of the weapons that you get in the game damage both enemy types. Like I was hoping that the yeah. last sword that yeah. you get would do both. That'd be nice, um, so yeah. switching between them is a little awkward, but whatever. It's I still really, cool. I really wish that the shield looked different while you were walking around. Uh, That's the one too. thing. Because I know the just, sword I could forgive. Yeah, uh, like maybe just a color forgive. change yep, would be cool. That'd be cool. That'd but be the cool. shield. Uh, it's just the this, shield always just looks like this circle, a yeah, white featureless circle. white just sword like dinner plate. And, and some of like, the shields are cool. And some of the shields you get are just super freaking cool. Like oh I love it. I love the tail shield it's like oh fashioned from a demon's tail or something Mm -hmm. and it's green and scaly and it's got horns and stuff it's so neat right like the dragon shield's got all scales on it and the metal shield's like made from an alloy some kind of translucent purple color i'm like yeah oh yeah yeah, i want to see that shit yeah so cool that would be that would be I, I like I don't expect Nintendo to do too much, but oh oh man. I know. I just I, know. And I, I mean, just wish. Yeah. It's 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 one of those things where it's like I'm grateful for what the game did do, yes, but also too. because of how much the game did, I'm also like, but is changing the shield that hard? You yeah. know, it's like, oh, but it, you did so many unique graphics for so many things. Right. You would have but... just been one graphic from the front, one from the side, and that's it. I think maybe if the palette became an issue, like they couldn't fit that many colors on the screen, that could have been it. Yeah. And they could have maybe like, just you know... made them more monotone or something. But even if even if in the actual game it was just using the colors of willow or something because mm-hmm. honestly the graphics really like to go back they, they look so good i'm looking at like the screenshot that i posted in the group today and one of the things that i think really helps this look like a more detailed and vibrant game is they use a lot of black in the shading 
and black mm-hmm. is in Willow, and it's so, so it's like, but they're using black. Yeah, a lot of times games didn't really use black, so it's like it really works. So I they use black in the trees, they use black in the ground with the brown on the sides of the mountain and stuff. So the darkest color is always black. So that's sort of like is like the a freebie. contrast makes it pop. So yeah, and it's nicely. it's like a freebie color because mm-hmm. you're you're not using another you don't need another green down there and then that right. means you can't have a darker brown or something or like yep. everything looks detailed um, yeah i mean so th- so you know to worth worth mentioning this game is made by capcom oh yeah um, we haven't even said ma- that right. made by capcom you know purveyors of such fine titles as mega man and all the nes disney games right, basically and, you know a this is another things. amazing licensed game from capcom, from capcom on the capcom. nes they were on their game they really time. were and they just knew how to design and, and, you know, this team knew how to use the system and yeah. really make all the graphics pop. I mean, they just look so incredibly, so good, you know, so awesome. So great. Um, you know, and, uh, and I think that it really still holds up. Um, I would say the, the, the biggest challenge is that, you know, you do die fairly quickly when you go into new areas. Like you'll notice that the enemies in new areas will just knock your fucking socks off and, and you'll really you'll be need like, to like, where are my socks? Where are my willow socks? Where are my socks at, yo? And oh man, like, oh, I man, needed you, those, you know, it's like, oh, well, if you, you were, made me those socks, it was Kaya. Kaya. Kaya, Kaya made me those Kaya. socks. Yeah. So if, uh, you know, if uh, if you were playing as you know Samwise Gamgee, uh, he wouldn't have Sean socks. Wise. Sean Wise, Sean Wise Gamgee would totally not have socks to knock yeah. off. That's no. all I'm saying. Zero That's socks. all I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, you know, the enemies are hard. Uh, you definitely need to get good at learning the enemies and what they do, and it yep. doesn't take doesn't take much. Like if if you're in a new place and you get hit one two three times, it's like oh 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 shit fuck oh god, and no it's like <laughs> you have no health, and uh, and you know healing is costly. You know, it takes a it takes a good amount of MP to do mm. it. So that's that's something that's you know kind and of when really you die. Worth I don't think we mentioned it, but when you die, what happens is you go right back to wherever the last town was mm-hmm. or safe space. In some cases, it's like just a house that you visit that is a, a healing house. Sometimes you'll you'll go back there. Yep. But that like counts as the town. And, and you go back there, but you lose XP. Yeah, you lose any XP that you've gained since like gaining s- the last level that you gained. Right. So, so it like starts you at the last cross, right. uh, you know, th- threshold. So it's super tough later on to get levels or even early on, really. It's, it's yeah. kind of tough to get levels. Yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's it's doable and fair and uh, and hard. But like, I mean, I, I again, w- in watching some of the, the YouTube reviews, I one of the guys was saying that he thought this game was very easy. And I wouldn't say that. I definitely wouldn't no. say this game is very easy. I think it's kind of kind of solidly challenging. Yep. And I think that there are parts that you're going to get frustrated and you're going to be like, I can't figure out where to go. And back in the day, like, hey, like you said, you had Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power did a huge write-up on this game. They published many maps. A lot of Retroids in our group were mentioning that they remember playing this and using Nintendo Power to get around. And stuff. So, like, you know, we had ways of cheating back then, too. Yeah, had, yeah. Had, you know. exactly. You know, I mean, th- that was kind of part of the, you know, the appeal of Nintendo Power is like, this is legitimately 
giving me power to beat a game. Like mm -hmm. you, you couldn't get maps like this any other way. You didn't have the internet. So, you know, it's like, that was a huge selling point. Yeah. And, uh, and especially for shit like, you know, Blaster Master or whatever, it's like some of those games you go to play it now in a vacuum and you're like, Jesus Christ, I can't figure out where oh, I'm yeah. going. I mean, like even the original Metroid, I mean, the original Metroid was oh, so difficult big time. Uh, big time. to figure yeah. out where stuff was. It took so long. And that was, that was a game where I would, uh, I would make maps and try mm -hmm. to, you know, keep track of where things were and stuff. I mean, it was, it was tough. That game is yeah. it, because really what it comes down to is if you're, if it's a video game that does not have a map screen for you to help you, even if it's where you've already been, then like, and, and it's, it's a certain level of vastness. Mm -hmm. vastness. <laughs> it, it, re, it reaches a level. If it's like, okay, if it's past this level of huge, um, I need a freaking map because you just can't possibly just remember it all. Eventually you will probably, but, um, you know, I mean, I think, I think it's really, it makes it tough. It makes it really, yeah. really and, hard. And I think that, ha you know, having, having a map with you is not like, oh, the game's cake. It's, it's, oh, right. it's, it's cheating. It's like, no, no, you at least are just able to know where to go, how to get back to where I was, but fighting enemies. Yeah, is you're not tough. going in circles. That's a yeah. big, it, it just, it allows you to keep making progress without yeah. feeling like, oh my God, I'm lost. And I just keep dying right. and can't level up and whatnot. Cause I kept, I mean, there were parts where I was w wandering around the mountains after getting the thunder spell. I mean, oh my God. I wandered and wandered and wandered for so freaking long trying to figure out what I was missing, why I couldn't proceed. And it turned out, so that was one of the, uh, one of the two or three times I, I did look online to see what the fuck I was missing because I was really trying to be as legitimate as I could with that kind of stuff. I did save and load. And if I died at a boss, I would just save it before the boss and try it again. Um, not that the bosses were too hard with one exception. I really had a lot of trouble with the spiny like slug thing. I really, oh, yeah. really mm -hmm. had a lot of trouble with him. Um, yep. But most of the bosses, including General Kale, are actually pretty easy. Uh, Bav Mord is tough only because they're, they're bullshit about it. They, they yeah. make you, uh, you can only attack her with uh, another thing from the movie. You get Sherlindria's wand. Sherlindria, a character... Uh, who does have the name Cher in her name. Cher. I feel like oh. we should just call her. Hall. Just oh. call her Cher. Sherlindria's Sherlindria's cane, which they call oh, it right, in the game. In the game they call a it a cane as if it's fucking huge. It's like, it's just a wand. Another funny, like, random name change in the movie. It's the dust of broken heart. And this one, it's the dust of unrequited love. Unrequited love. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. For and and now they do they do go through that scene in the game too in a very cheesy fashion. Very, of just yeah. like, it's, it's it's very it's very rushed yeah, and they're it's, just like whatever. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sorsha and Mad Mardigan have a, a reconciliation, but it's very different and weird yep. right at the end. But um, but yeah, I mean I wish Sorsha was a boss. I think I think that was yeah. a, a big missed opportunity. But they did come up with some really fun extra bosses for the game. You actually do fight um uh, the Ebersisk the in a yeah, the form. Ebersisk. Yeah, you fight one of its one heads, head, it which just I looks did like a not snake. even recognize it was that creature right. because it there does was only Ebersisk. one head. It, it does, yeah. it does say that, and I just didn't know that when I was playing it. I literally learned the term today. 
Right. I never knew what it was fucking called. Right. Yeah. Um, they don't say it in the movie, I don't think. No, they don't say it in the movie. There's it's, no reason it would have a name. Willow accidentally turned a troll into it. Right. Like it's not it's not as if this thing existed here. Well, so 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 apparently it is a beast that exists in the same way that everything he accidentally turns Finn Rizal into are real things that exist. Now, okay, fair. Now, so okay. as a kid, and I like even like the other day when I saw this, I've always have thought that when he turns the troll into the Ebersisk, I thought that it was a random mutation. I didn't like just horrible, horrible, just creature. like you were just saying. Like, uh oh. But, but apparently in the book, uh, Kale exclaims, It's an Ebersisk. Okay, so it's no. So it is a thing. It's just a matter of like, just like a tiger is a thing and a peacock and a ostrich are, are mm-hmm. things like you know the magic randomly chose the shape but it was a it was a pre-programmed shape it was all existing right. things right uh, but yeah pretty pretty neat though but yeah the ebersisk one the one head has no body uh it, and uh and stuff is is a boss but there's like lots of fun just like oh the 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 leader of the village of dew Please save this village of dew. <laughs> village of dew. This village of dew <laughs> is uh is turned into a monster. You got to go fight him, save him. Like, and he's neat looking. He's, and he's Bogarda. Bogarda. Hey, Bogarda. Right, like Bogarda. He, he's just a random demon. Hey, dumb. man. Hey, how's it hey, going? Man. Oh hey, yeah. Man. Hey, hey, man. Have you met my friend Bogarda? Oh man, he's he's a great guy. He loves a good bowl of mashed potatoes. Oh man, he, he loves his mashed potatoes. He loves his pinochle ball. Bogarda's a man. I love Bogarda. <laughs> I would hang out with Bogarda all day if I could. I love that guy. As soon as he stopped trying to kill me, hell yeah. Ah, I mean, before. I mean, before he was a monster. <laughs> you know, he's a good guy. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That too. But yeah, uh, yeah Bogarda's cool. And then they, they have these like star-crossed lovers where one is a ghost and one Which is turned into just a like monster. totally made up for the game. Like, Very cool. So, so neat. Like tons of fun, neat padding. Like, the, yeah, there's a, there's a guy who, you know, who was in love with this woman and you, yeah. you, he went missing and yeah. you end up finding the spirit of the lady who had haunted these yeah. caves and she gives you an item that lets you kind of like rescue his soul and you end up fighting the spiky little you know bug demon yeah that thing. was like the the spiky leech thing that yeah I right it looks like a tiny lavos from chrono trigger like, he's like a, a porcupine lavos right yeah well and lavos shoots... is quite spiky oh okay <laughs> And he, um, and he just shoots his spikes out and he's super yes. fucking hard. He's just like a slug thing. Right. Yeah. He, he, I definitely died to him a bunch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just like a very, you know, thought out cool story. Um, also, yeah. the game has bird people. There's a there's a yeah. bird man that you find and he references his so brother. Neat. He gives you a sword. He's like, oh, you know, if you find my brother in this castle, yeah. uh, you know, give him the sword, blah, blah, blah. You you get it. And you're like, oh, it's super weak. I guess yeah, I'll just forget about sword. it. Yeah, and it sucks. Oh man, the sword's totally weak. Can't possibly <laughs> Can't fight possibly you. Can't possibly fight you. And uh, and so then you know it's like, all right, whatever, fuck it, forget about it. I'll just keep using my dragon yeah. sword. Right. And later on in the game, you know, once you find the the other brother, he turns it into the strongest ass sword in the game. Yeah. And it's like that's so cool, you know, so fun. Yeah. And yeah, the uh, bird, the bird people. There's also little squirrels. They're like, uh, there are these really really cute. There's only one in the game, but they talk yeah. about them. I can't remember the, nail, the, nail, the clan. nail clan. Yeah, yeah there was the nail clan. clan. His name was, Ch- it was like, like, I feel like the only way to pronounce it is chill, but it's K-C-H-I-L. So it's like, chill. Chill. <laughs> hey man, can you just chill? Chill. Chill. Just chill out. All right, man. everyone. Chill. Dude, you want to come over and Willow and uh, Chill? Willow and Chill. Netflix. He's a, 
he's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they added some some pretty solid world building. Also, there's, there's a big this... dragon named Matanda. Oh, you got to mm-hmm. talk about Poe. Mat- oh, Poe po is my favorite. So he's the best missable thing you can get. This this lady uh, early on, she's like old lady in a random house, and she says that her her pet Poe has gone missing, and she's so concerned. She gives you medicine if you if you run out if you run into Poe, please give him this medicine if he if he needs it. And you don't know what Poe is. You have no concept. It's just her pet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you end up like finding in this random cave, totally missable. Yeah. I mean, if you don't explore this cave, you will not totally find this missable. guy. Uh, there's like a fucking, there's, he's Rodan. He's Rodan. He's a pterodactyl man. Yeah. They keep calling him like a lesser dragon in like the description. And it's like, nah, man, he is a pterodactyl. He's man. a pterodactyl man. He looks just like Rodan. His name is Poe. He's cool as shit. And what he does is he lets you fucking warp between the towns. It's amazing. And- it not only is he like changes everything like, so insanely crucially important for playing the game, but also uh, how do you summon Poe, Steve? Oh, with an ocarina. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Zelda did not come up with the whole idea of using an ocarina, you know, in the game. Willow's <laughs> over here being like, yo, ocarinas are dope. And then he, ocarina of time comes out. Trademarked the ocarina. <laughs> Much like polar soda should have trademarked the actual animal, the polar bear, so that nope. Coca-Cola couldn't use the polar bears at Christmas time. Did right? they do that? I don't know. They should Might have. have been a thing. They should have. They should have, damn it. But yeah, I thought Can that was insane. An instrument? I don't know. I mean, is mayonnaise an instrument? Um, <laughs> is the Pope Jewish? <laughs> uh, I gotta no. go. No, no, he's not. No, 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 he's not. Uh, so yeah, you know, I thought that was really neat to see a Zelda style game using mm-hmm. an ocarina and then Zelda. So pretty fun. Yeah. So, you know, heavily features it later. Cool. Love it. I love um, Poe. He's so useful. He yep. literally, I, it opens up the game in a, in a way that like feels like the biggest breath of fresh air because it's gotten so big. You can walk from one end of the game to the other, but it's, it's fucking huge. And honestly, mm. you're going to get lost along the way. No matter how many times you've been through these parts, like it's it's confusing. So, yeah, Poe is amazing. Yep. Again, just rewarding you for exploring. Yay. Don't you love that? It makes it so fun. And you know, I played through the game and I missed uh, I missed one of the shields. You know, I didn't get I didn't get the third shield in the game because it was in you know one of the cave you know dungeon kind of places and there was just a pathway I must have missed. Yep. And. I didn't get it. And, you know, that I think really adds a lot to a game to make stuff like that feel rewarding. And you can, you know, talk to different people and be like, oh, you know, yeah. I had a, I had a slightly different experience than you did. That's really yeah. neat. Um, but yeah, you know, so Willow for the NES is a great time. Uh, it's definitely challenging, but it's worthwhile. It's fun. It's great for fans of the movie. It's great for fans of games. Honestly, just even if you don't care about the movie. Yeah, it's top just down a fun action game. adventure games. If you're a fan of yeah. Zelda type yeah. games. If you're and a Crystallis. fan of Crystallis and Zelda and all those things. I mean, those games are great, but Willow definitely deserves your time. It's it's honestly a very cool game that I am very happy to have gone back and played through uh, because damn, it's totally a hidden mm-hmm. gem. Absolutely. You know? I, uh, I, I could not be more happy to have finally, after all these years, yep. finally went back and actually made good on my, uh, my promise to myself that one day I would do it. And, uh, just, just so over the moon, happy, love this yeah. game. Um, yep. so real quick, before we get out of here, there's just yeah. two other things I wanted to talk about. Um, want to talk about the arcade game because 
Capcom mm-hmm. also made an arcade game. Yep, uh, we're is. just going to be super brief about this. It's an awesome game. I have never run into this in the wild. Uh, I played it on MAME a lot of years ago. Um, really, really fun game. It is a platformer. So it, it sort of looks like, I mean, I mean, not exactly, but it sort of looks like, you know, like Super Ghouls and Ghosts. Like that type of a game. It's like, yeah, there's some platforming, but it's, it's, it's that the, the sprites are about the same size, about that scale. It's very colorful. The graphics are beautiful. And honestly, it actually follows the movie pretty fucking closely. Um, there are some shortcuts and stuff that don't make sense, but it's fine. Um, and uh, you get to play as both Willow and Mad Mardigan and Willow's Willow's attacks are for the entire game, the acorns, and they just get powered up as he goes because there's a shop you can, uh, you can find. And it's actually run by this weird, like owl guy. He's like an owl sorcerer troll thing. I don't know what he is. Um, He's really weird looking, looks way too cartoony for Willow, but the whole game's very cartoon, cartoon cutesy, uh, anime cutesy, sort of the sprites there, but they're great. They're really great. And so he just, he just throws the acorns, but you can charge them up. And as you go, they get bigger and bigger and bigger and stronger. And it's really fucking great. He ends up shooting these like Mega Man X fireballs, um, like charge shot things. Like it's crazy, but they're, it's all like derived from the acorns. Um, And Mad Mardigan slashes and he can upgrade as well. And he has a sword and he's, he's great too. Really, really fun. They work in the scene with the two of them on a sled. Uh, sliding down the, the side of the mountain. They work that in as like a bonus stage where you're kind of just sliding and collecting coins just for fun. And it even ends with Mad Mardigan turning into the ball of snow and crashing into the hut for comic effect. Another thing, by the way, awesome. that should not work at all. I have no idea why that moment is not cringy in the movie. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> it never in a million years should work. I have no idea why turning mad mardigan into a giant fucking snowball to Isn't roll down stupid. the mountain like in a cartoon somehow is okay in its work it works and it's great like it makes no sense this movie <laughs> dodges so many bullets and i don't know why i don't right. know why it's just it's just heartwarming it's also just lightning also, in a bottle I, I don't know why but anyway uh, the, the one thing i have to say about the movie that i, I wanted to mention is that oh, yeah. this movie gives me like the most warm fuzzies about like a family dynamic for like any fucking movie. And it's like Willow and Kaya and their two kids are so goddamn precious. They are like the cutest, happiest little family ever. As uh, as Ashes would say, they must be protected at all costs. They must be protected at all costs. I mean, good God, you cannot stop smiling watching them. They're so fucking cute yeah. and his kids are so heartfelt like dada dada i want to go with you dada <laughs> it's like oh my god stop it you're so painfully adorable i know, I, I, know. I just love I everything know. about them i'm yeah. like oh man <laughs> like if you didn't want a family like this freaking movie <laughs> will make you want a family let me tell you yeah it's cute as hell you want the simple life too right right you want you to have a your own screen tvs and right. those crazy limos you don't need all that Right. Uh, and then you, you definitely need the don't champagne need from the champagne region. You can just right. buy, go down to Shaw's and buy the, the cheap buy the bubbly. $10 bubbly. It's, it's fine. fine. It's fine. You know, you have don't, your, you don't, your, you don't your necessarily simple, you know. sweet little life with your Kaya and your Mims, exactly. and your, whatever the boy was plant in your plant in your fields, plow, Ugh. do your pig plowing. Got to plow your feet. You got to do I mean, what Burgle cut says, yeah. you know, Burgle yeah. cut it's, knows he knows plow. plowing. You just got to be careful when you when you talk about plowing pigs, because it sounds like you're talking about something else. 
It sounds, oh, sounds, sounds off. It sounds a little off, but yeah, I, there's a lot of a lot of pigs in this movie, huh? There is, there is. Pigs are popular. It, it's a th- it's a recurring thing in the movie. Um, also, one of my favorite things in the movie is like the jamboree that happens. Oh yeah, and like that, the that fucking song is amazing. Badass music that's playing. Yeah. Just the just the happy go lucky boom 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 yeah, it's, it's like, like the happiest so jamboree yeah. ever. God, I could I listen. Like I just ear to ear smiling the whole yeah. friggin' time. I'm so, I'm ear to ear smiling right now. Yes, I'm, I'm, I know. I can just, hear it. I can hear it in my own voice. I'm smiling. I can right, tell. right. Love it. Love um, it. Anyway, anyway, good stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, really quick, uh, I did want to talk. Just touch upon it. The toy line. It came up in the group. Yeah, um, there were. Which I, I know nothing about these. Uh, they were put out by Tonka in 1988, and they are kind of unimpressive. Justin Cooper remembers them very fondly. He had almost the whole set, and in like sort, I sort of vaguely remember these. They were carded figures, but they were very, very small. They were more like D and D figure size, like kind of huh. one and a half D and D figure. They're a little bit bigger, but you could probably play with them, you know, on a campaign easily. Uh, honestly, um, really. They're, they're not articulated at all. They're just posed. They're soft plastic with a metal base and they're just kind of okay. Um, not super special. They had uh, one piece to this collection that I now know that I need to own. I never knew this existed in my entire life until today. They made a foot tall Ebersisk. Of course, that's and what you need. Yeah. It's awesome. It is there, so fucking mint. I the Ebersisk is like a Rancor it. dragon. Right? It's so like, ugly. It's so it is fucking ugly. So ugly. It's one of the ugliest monsters. Uh, like, like there are like I like to say there are there are handsome monsters, and there are monsters that are just too damn ugly. Like for instance, the 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 current Godzilla, the one that just fought Kong, the legendary Godzilla, mm-hmm. compared to Shin Godzilla. Right. They're like. Legendary, Legendary Godzilla, Godzilla is handsome, handsome, handsome and, as shit, and and the other one's just too ugly. Like like Shinka, yeah, like I'm just saying, like not that it's bad. I'm just but the ugliness right. and the handsome. There's like a thing, and yep. this is not a handsome monster. <laughs> this is no. a ass ugly monster. I mean, so are the Death Dogs. They're just hideous. Uh-huh. Yep. They gave them rat tails. Like they're just so ugly. But um, anyway, this figure is amazing. It's huge, and it gives us the only shot of the the back half of the body. Oh, because neat. in the movie, you do not see what the back half looks like. It's got two elephant legs in the front, but it never comes out of the water. So you never see what the back half of it looks like. And it's, it's according to this, if we're supposed to take this figure as canon, it's super interesting. It's got like like six legs back there. They're all smaller than the front huh. ones. And it's got a little nubby tail super worthwhile to see like like you need the figure to know that i fucking love it that's so cool i have to find one of these things uh unfortunately there are only three on ebay currently right now and all of them come with the box and all of them are over 700 dollars us Oof. uh it is called the willow ebersisk evil dragon and um I, I hope to one day find one that's uh, I'm happy to buy a loose one. That's not in perfect condition. I just, uh, holy shit. I yeah, really, really, really want one <laughs> of these things so bad. Uh, and yeah. I need to put them on the shelf next to my Ultraman monsters. Hell yeah. Um, he fits right in. 
I mean, he's great, but so look him up. Uh, really great, really great toy. Makes me really wish that they had done a better job with the rest of the toys because they are, they don't go with this. Like they're right. It doesn't even look like it's the same toy line, but yeah, these were all done by Tonka, which is kind of nuts. Company. Tonka, yeah. Tonka making not trucks. I mean, they've they never done that in my stuff, childhood. But they weren't really known for figures. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, check it out. Uh, look up, look up the, uh, the Willow Ebersisk evil dragon figure. Evil dragon. Very, very neat. It actually even had a, like a mossy texture, just like Moss Man from the Masters of the Universe line, where it was kind of covered in this fake moss. They actually have some brown moss uh, fur that goes down the back of the necks like a mane and then onto the, the back of the thing. I mean, it's, it's a pretty damn good figure. So anyway. Awesome. I wanted to mention that. And totally. uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's about all I have to say about Willow. Fucking love yeah, guys. it so yeah. much. Uh, this was very fun. It was super fun. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for chatting, sir, and thanks yeah. for listening, like all you uh, you awesome retroids out there. Yeah. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. So I mean, anyway, we'll we'll be here for a little bit doing these crow's nests and maybe maybe a brig or two, like I said earlier and uh and uh hopefully entertain you along the way if there's anything you guys would like to hear us talk about please let us know on the facebook group and uh and we'll uh we'll have a good time yeah it'll be a good time good time so uh anyway without any further ado i do want to mention our sponsor which hasn't been mentioned at all yet <laughs> oops yeah brought to you as always the retro octopus cephala podcast by deadly grounds coffee that is coffee to die for in case you forgot and we are full-fledged members of the dorkening and the inebriart podcast networks i like to mention that as well and it's been a really good time tonight so hopefully you guys had a good time uh i have been your host parasite steve and it is indeed a sad thing that your adventures have ended here like seriously like right when we get to knockmar castle the freaking lady in the nun costume is gonna turn us all into pigs what is that?